0: We have a couple of notable restricted free agent signings to announce, but uh, in between, there is a main topic idea that Brett kindly threw out there during the regular season. I don't know if we mentioned it on the air in I passing. Think we or have, not. yeah. Yeah. And this is something that I think both of us are really looking forward to. And today, we're finally tackling it in episode 374 of the Lace Em Up podcast, which starts right now. And now, it's time to lace em up. Welcome to the show, ladies and Steve. gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. Uh first, we're gonna quickly go through uh some uh, restrictive agency signings, including uh the uh, breakthrough uh defenseman on the Seattle Kraken, Vince Dunn finally getting his bag, right.
1: Yeah, yeah, um that um yeah it was it was kind of um a big deal at the time. I I was thinking so uh Vince Dunn had 60 points last year uh kind of like an uh, 64 underrated 64
0: and 81 was the exact yeah. amount 14 goals 50 assists career highs in all three
1: the funny thing is so I had him on my fantasy team and yep. I did like I knew you he, he had like a breakout year this year I didn't realize it was that good <laughs> so um which is it's just that, that's how underrated he has been um I have a feeling that he's not gonna be underrated anymore especially after this contract here um because he gets uh, $7.35 million for uh, four more years. Um, he is 26 years old um, as well. So at the end of this contract, um, he'll be 30 years old and he'll get even more money, potentially, assuming that he pans out and c- continues his pace. Uh, yeah. So as mentioned, he did get 64 points in uh, 81 games this past season. But... Um, I guess, like, the the bigger concern, I guess, like, you know, this, I was thinking that he probably would get, like, six million maybe, so it's a little bit higher than I would have expected, um, however, uh, the only thing that kind of makes me a little bit cautious about it is the fact that, well, one, well, two, th- well, I guess there's one that's good and one that's bad, I'll start with the bad is that this is by far his best season Um, he's been like an analytics darling for the last ever since he's been in the league but he was like when he was in St. Louis he was kind of um, he had sheltered minutes and never really truly showed what he was capable of Um, and then when he was in Seattle the first year uh, we all thought that like well first we thought that Tarasenko was going to be the guy that the Kraken were going to take but they ended up Drafting Vince Dunn instead, um, I think I was like you know I was thinking like yeah Tarasenko probably would have been who I would have drafted, but I didn't mind the Vince Dunn move because it kind of like he has the similar path to Shea Theodore and what Vegas was doing. What was strange though was yeah, exactly
0: yeah. Shea Theodore, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's there's Shea Theodore, hundred percent.
1: But what was strange about that was is that uh, Seattle also drafted Mark Giordano, um, and. And I guess what ended up happening was Mark Janos ended up, like, taking over the first year in Seattle, and um, I mean, it was kind of like a same situation for Vince Dunn, where he wasn't given as much ice time, he didn't get get on the power play, and all that stuff um, in the first year of Seattle, so he did end up having 35 points in 73 games, and that is better than the other years that when he was in St. Louis, but... You know, you would expect more out of that. He also had a minus 21. Uh, famously, I I hate the plus minuses, but when it stands out like that, that's, um, that's pretty, you know, uh, I have to note that. Um, and then this year, yeah, he had 64 points in the 81 games. Um, he had a lot of, oh no, I guess he, um, yeah, he had th- 15 power play assists, um, zero power play goals. So, yeah, so I, I guess, like, not, like, he did have some power play time, but not a lot of it were on the power play, which is interesting. Um, so that, We're that's, talking about
0: plus-minus. He was a plus-28. Yeah, so yeah. Minus 20 to plus-28, that's a big jump.
1: Exactly, yeah, that was the other thing I was about to mention, too. Um, and then, yeah, he had, so he had 20 minutes of ice time on average last year, and then he had 23 point, uh, and 40 seconds of uh, ice time, this year, on average, um, right. so so I guess the concern is is that like this is his only good year, and he's uh, and that and now that he's getting paid, he can kind of like rest on his laurels and all that stuff. But at the same time, like Seattle um, doesn't really have another defenseman. I mean, yeah, I know like Riker Evans is in the system. They just got this uh, guy named um, uh, Lucas Dragasich. Um, in the, the prospect pool, who's, who's probably going to be pretty good. Um, but yeah, for, for the, this next couple of years, like Vince Dunn is going to be the guy. It's just a matter of if he can be consistent um, and do that. So that that's really the only big concern, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, I'm glad that he uh, he got paid. And um, yeah, I, I, I think you can justify it just by
0: looking at his stats. Yeah, uh, just a disclaimer, once again, live newsroom. So if you hear talking in the background, not much I can do, it is what it is. Um, getting back to Riker Evans, you mentioned uh, his fantastic season with the Coachella Valley Firebirds as a rookie. 44 points in 71 regular season games and lit fire in the playoffs. 26 games played exactly, 26 points. Um, at the same time, that's one AHL season. They also have a guy named Ty Nelson in the system, who has played the past two seasons with the North Bay Battalion, 51 points as a rookie, 76 points, and 24 goals in his second year. But again, that's the Ontario Hockey League. So those guys are at least going to need a couple more years to develop. And in that time frame, while they do have an absolute beast in Jamie Alexiak, while they have a reliable shutdown defenseman in Adam Larson... Uh, in terms of a pure bread-and-butter offensive defenseman, Ben Stun is their best bet. He's their best option on the power play from the blue line, and it's going to remain that way for, I would say, the entirety of this contract. And again, like you said, uh, he's going to be 30 when it ends. Um and by then, who knows what the salary cap outlook's gonna look like. So that's when Ben's done. If he continues to progress at this level, that's when he could really cash in when the salary cap's going up. Yeah. So I think for both team and player, this makes a lot of sense. And I think more so, it's, it's just the tip of the hat to a guy who just uh, continued to, to take steps forward, didn't give up, kept pushing forward. And finally, gets rewarded. And I love to see that in hockey. I love to see when a guy at various junctures of his career is thrown a curveball of, oh, you're not ready yet for, you know, the superstar status. And then someone finally gives it to him, and he goes out and he proves that he's worth that. And we've seen what happened with Shea Theodore. Mm-hmm. Um, although I would say he didn't have to wait as long to get that status. Once he did get that stats, he took the ball, he ran with it, and now everyone is singing his praises, and he's the Stanley Cup champion. Now, obviously, I'm not going to say in a couple of years that Vince Dunn and the Seattle Kraken are going to win the Stanley Cup, but he's going to be asked to be a key piece for that, and I think down the line, as this contract goes on, we're going to see that this one big season was the fluke, and that he is the real deal. I'm fully confident he's going to live up to this deal.
1: Yeah, yeah, for, um, yeah, no, that, that is a good point, um, I, um, yeah, I think it's, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, like, a wait and see, I, I, I guess I'm still, like, a little bit cautious, even though I, I hope you're right, and I do have him on my fantasy team, and, um, I think that is what this contract really says, is that, oh, yeah, he's, 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 uh, um, the, like the Kraken have high hopes, high hopes for him, um, but you know at the same time I'm, I'm always cautious when like after just one good year, um, when like a player um, and how good that player can be, eventually be. I'm um, kind of like a I guess it's reminiscent of like Tage Thompson last year where I was scoffing at that because it's like yeah he had one good year and then uh, like, and then I became a fool. Uh, the following year because uh, Tate Thompson <laughs> did even better So um, after that big contract. So it, it is definitely possible that Vince Dunn, this is like, you know, we haven't even reached uh, Vince Dunn's prime just yet. And yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, I think that's like the, been the trend here um, lately is uh, that a lot of players are signing for a shorter term uh because like the ideas that eventually paid once the cap goes up uh theoretically speaking uh so yeah and you know 30 years old yeah that is obviously that's older than 26 years old which is what he is right now but uh there's still some left in the tank when you're 30 years old so he he is he could
0: he could uh get paid even more if if he lives up to this contract Um, What's also interesting though, you talk about the one big season and the type of payday that he got, of course, as we tend to do in the hockey universe behind the scenes, in our armchairs, we sit back and we look at, okay, the amount of big name defensemen, contracts coming up in about a year or so, Mm -hmm. what are they going to get? You look at Rasmus Dahlin and Owen Power and Jake Sanderson, uh, Brandon Montour is at UFA next year, Devon Taves who's had a couple of fantastic seasons in Colorado is going to be a UFA after this coming season. I'm interested to see what their pay raises are going to look like, because you take a look at Vince Dunn, who was 22nd in time on ice by defenseman this year, Uh, here's, let's see, uh, Rasmus Dallin was third on that list with uh, 25.48 per game, geez louise. Devon Tays 2506. Keep in mind that uh, the Avalanche missed Kale McCarr for a bit, and even when Kale McCarr was on the ice, you know he was still averaging a fair bit of ice time. Uh, you look at a guy like uh, Brandon Montour; he averaged 2408 last year. Owen Power as a rookie. I, yeah, this was his rookie season He averaged 23-48 as a rookie That's incredible, actually yep. And then Vince Dunn was a couple of spots below him at 22 Just uh shade under Victor Hedman And we uh, Enough said about Victor Hedman He's one of the best of his generation, too Right So um, I'm, I'm really interested to see what the defensive market Is going to look like in a couple of years Because of contracts like the one we saw yep. With Vince Dunn gets. Yeah.
1: And, yeah, we're, we're about to transition over to Colorado here. Like, Bo Byram, he got $3.85 million for two years. And, like, that, you know, if he pans out, I like, guess, the Avalanche. Do you have Cam Lacar and Sam Gerard and Devin Tate, as you mentioned. But, like, Bo Byram is, is still also very, very good, too. And, like, that, that could be, like, a steal of a contract um, if he
0: lives up to that as well. Um, another guy I forgot to mention more side here is uh, RFA uh, yeah. his entry level expires after next season 2 he was 32nd in time on iceberg game this year yep. at 2309 for the Red Wings and he's arguably their best all around defenseman already in just a short period of time yep. so another name to keep an eye on there um, okay so uh, we do have a, a I guess we should,
1: I, I, we should uh, mention this to the listeners here uh, we have um, we're, we're trying to make these episodes shorter, so um, we are that will mean that we're going to be covering less news uh, throughout, but we are still going to cover the the things that stand out. So we we did miss some signings uh, this week, but uh, but that's that's mostly just because we want to keep this short and. Um, mm-hmm. not as long. I get as to
0: the meat of way. the episode faster exactly. as well.
1: And, like, you know, other than maybe, like, the season previews and, like, the yeah. playoffs. The, like, the and season stuff.
0: previews, the free agencies, the trade yeah. deadlines or whatever. We'll probably like go long. Yeah, it, it, If there's big news to talk about and, yep. it, you know, it takes an hour and a half to get through, then, yeah, fine. Right. But we're just talking on the typical run-of-the-mill Lace in yep. episode that you usually hear We're probably, I would think, like an hour max, maybe? We'll, we'll
1: Hopefully, see. yeah, we'll see. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that, <laughs> it was funny just before we went on. It was funny how we were, because, like, I was trying to limit it to, like, two news items at the beginning of the show, and um, we were either deciding between Matthias Michelli or Ross Colton, um, mm-hmm. and there were good arguments for both, but I think we're, we're going to roll with Ross Colton now. And I think Steve will, will mention Michelli as well. Um, in Don't his, come at
0: us, Coyotes fans. Yeah. I I, uh, I went hard for Michelli. Uh, yeah, you did. Uh, I'll mention him in my explanation. Don't worry. It's, it's, it's a sign. What is
1: funny, though, is that I, I love Michelli. It's just because, uh, like, I, I kind of, like, scouted him out, too. Like, I, like, knew about him. His draft year. Yeah, timing so
0: in the rough prospect, yeah, yeah.
1: That I figured out. But, yeah, it's – um, but, yeah, anyways um, – I, the reason why I, I wanted, Ross, wanted to talk about Ross Colton over Michelli was because um, this was, so, like, I feel like, yeah, I guess sorry, Coyotes fans. Um, I, I feel like the Avalanche are more relevant, um, and um, I had forgotten that, like, uh, that the Avalanche did trade for Ross Colton. Um, and he got, this was more of, like, a questionable contract to me, uh, compared to um, uh So he gets $4 million uh, per year for four years. Um, and the thing that makes this a little bit strange, and I'm just looking at his stats, and granted, he was on Tampa. We don't know how Colorado's going to use Ross Colton uh, just yet. But he had 20, 12 minutes of ice time in Tampa. He, um, he had 32 points. In 81 games, that's that's okay for someone who's on the third line or fourth line. Um, and what's also interesting about Colorado is that, so like last year, they lose uh, Asim Kadri, he goes to free agency. They get Evan Rodriguez, he goes to Florida. Um, and then they trade Alex Newhook. They do get Ryan Johansson, which should help them. Um, and that's that's a decent contract that's two years and four million per um, but essentially what they decided with this contract is they are they're paying someone four by four for essentially being a third liner because I don't see how I mean I guess there it is possible that Ross Colton could be a second line center and then I can sort of understand it but like, but then it's like, why did you go out and get Ryan Johansson um, and like trade Alex Newhook for, for Ross Colton, who doesn't really have any overwhelming stats? It, it doesn't like make sense to me, really. Um, so I'm, I'm this is like one like Colorado is one of the best run teams um, in the league right now. Um, But this was one of the ones where I'm like, now I'm just scratching my head. I I don't understand this contract at all.
0: So um, I can kind of see why they chose Ross Colton over Alex Newhook. And simply that secondary scoring, uh, scoring efficiency, and shot generation, all with less ice time, I might add. We remember Ross Colton for scoring the eventual cup-clinching goal against the Habs, Game 5 of the 2021 Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, That year, in 30 games, he had 12 points, 9 of them goals, which is a 33-point production in a full 82 games. His shooting percentage was 19.6 that regular season. And his ice time average was 1034. Not even a minute average on the power play as well. Um, you look at his uh, uh, his second year, 22 goals, 39 points. So that's a 40-point pace over 82. Uh, his shooting percentage is 13.8, 160 shots that year. He also put up 153 hits, which I, I think to have a guy that's gritty but also provides that scoring punch and a bit of power play depth um, is also essential. And that year's ice time was 12.48. So not even 13 minutes he's pushing. And he still has a 22-goal campaign. Uh, This past year, 16 goals, 32 points, 153 shots, 10.5 shooting percentage. So the shooting percentage has gone down, but still better than Alex Newhook's. Uh, uh, This past year was career high for Newhook, 12.1 actually knew it was better in this year, but not by much. Uh, still got 188 hits, even chalked in uh, four power play goals. Even then, his power play average was 116 per game. And his ice time actually went from 1248 down to 1221. And he was still, like, probably on the verge of a 20-goal season at that rate. So in terms of... The same amount of NHL volume, which is three years or two and a bit years, however you want to calculate it, mm. Ross Colton has done more with less than Alex Newhook has, and Ross Colton, uh, may I remind people, was a fourth round draft pick, whereas Alex Newhook was a middle first round pick. So I think it's his grittiness and his shot generation and goal scoring ability with less ice time. Uh, that uh, turned him into uh, this third-line monster. And the reason why I say secondary scoring is there was this stat uh, in the early stages of the Stanley Cup playoffs. It was just after Colorado got eliminated by Seattle in Game 7. And in that series, Seattle won three of four games they played in Colorado. Every single goal that Colorado scored in that series was on their top six. In their bottom six, They had zero total goals. I don't know if that was total or even strength, but either way you slice it, that's not a favorable stat, and that's not a measurement of playoff success. Obviously, if you get zero goals from your bottom six, you're not going to go very far. And I think this move was um, a direct, uh, let's fix this now. And then obviously, you know, they bring in Jonathan Drouin at under a million a year. They're banking on him, you know, playing on McKinnon's line and resurrecting his career. Um, so I, I, I feel like it was a move to bolster their third, their third line, and I think it's a move that's going to work out, honestly. You put them on a line with Miles Wood and Logan O'Connor, that's not a bad trio to put on the ice, especially you know if the top six carries their weight. It provides more opportunities for their bottom six because everyone's so focused on shutting down the top two lines.
1: Yeah, I guess I can see your point. Um, there's only two things, counter-arguments, I guess, to to what you're saying is, one, that Ross Colton, um, pretty much, yeah, he is 26 years old. Um, I also found out just by looking at his player bio that he was born on September 11th. Um, not on the on 2001, but in 1996, so that's kind of interesting. But anyway... Yeah, good
0: point about his age. And by the time the season starts, he'll be 27, actually.
1: Okay. Oh, well, even better, or no, better to my point... Um, it,
0: yeah, adds to your points, like, yeah, yeah, but he's 27. No, right, right,
1: right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Is that the fact that, like, we kind of already know what Ross Colton is at this point, and he's a third-line yeah. guy. Whereas for Alex Newhook, he... Yeah, he didn't have a... You're, you're right, yeah. Like, uh, Alex... Um, Ross Colton did more with less ice time and all that stuff. But Alex Newhook is 22 years old. And he... And, and now he's in a better situation, too, because it all worked out where Montreal is probably going to give him more ice time in Montreal than Ross Colton will. And... Um, or that Colorado would. Uh, but... Um, and then the other point, so it's like you know, there, like yeah, I guess right now, yes, objectively speaking, you're right that Ross Colton is a better player than Alex Newhook. But I can like I I would be willing to bet I, I don't actually bet but fake money that uh, Alex Newhook will have a better season this year because he has more room to grow, whereas Ross Colton, it's like yeah, he might get 33 points, but like. Who like that's nothing really to sc- scream about and the fact that you have him for like four million isn't a whole lot in the grand scheme of things on this like for a team but at the same time it's like it, it still is kind of a lot for someone who's gonna be on your bottom six especially the term so you're you're gonna have him for four more years when you're on a bottom six. I, d- I don't love when teams give out a lot of long-term de- contracts for bottom six guys, pretty much. Um, Exhibit
0: A, Pierre Angball in the year round. Yeah, exactly.
1: Or, like, Jay Beagle, I think, is my favorite example for the <laughs> Vancouver Canucks. But, yes. Um, so so that that part I don't necessarily understand. Um but, you know, maybe they're, you know, maybe they, like, you know, obviously Joe Sackick knows more about hockey than I do, um, and maybe he sees something in Ross Colton that I don't. But um, One
0: counter that I'll, I'll put out to you before I get to my Matthias McKelley argument, and I, 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 I respect and understand you probably have one more point there, sure. but just wanted to bring in that Alex Newhook is currently 22 years old. He won't even be 23 until next January late January next year. Oh, wow. But I feel like if you look at the Colorado Avalanche roster, you look at their star players, McKinnon is 27 currently. Uh, Rantanen is 26 currently. Uh, Johansson, who they brought in, is 30. Uh, Miles Wood, who they brought in, is 27, one year older than Ross Colton. I feel like that if they waited for Alex Newhook for a couple of years, what type of Colorado Avalanche team are you looking at? And I think Sackick is trying to maximize the big years that he has from his star players. And he feels like Ross, yeah, Alex Newick in a couple of years can be that dog. He can be that player that really puts us over the top. But I'm not ready to wait a couple more years because the prime time for us to win with this group at its current state is today. And I don't think today... He's that guy, so why not trade him in order to get that guy that fits him better right now?
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's just more, I don't know, necessarily... Right, right, I guess it's like you don't necessarily know that how good New Newhook can be, and there is some risk involved, so I get that point, too. It's just more... Like, I, I don't know, I, f- I feel like we already know what Ross Colton is at this point, even if he is on a new team and stuff. If he was on the second line, like, if they're going to use him as a second-line center, then I think I could understand it. Um, yeah. So so maybe that is what their plan is, but then at the same time, it's like, then why did, did they go out and trade for Ryan Johansson? Uh, so that part, I don't necessarily understand it. Unless, like, you know, so... Because I'm just thinking, like, okay, if they expect more out of, than 33 points out of him, and they just give him more ice time, then yeah, I can I can totally see where they're coming from. But if it's just, like, just to keep him at the same role that he was in
0: Tampa Bay, I don't necessarily understand it. Um, There's also uh, one thing, uh, I know I've already mentioned one other thing before this one thing. Sure. Uh, Alex Gyorgiev won 40 games with the Avalanche, uh, forty maybe just a shed over 40 games. Uh, very, very good season. His best one today by far, and I I think there's a lot of great hockey ahead for him, and Alex Giorgiev is currently 27 years old. Uh, Miko Ransanen, we all know how good Miko Rantanen is. He's 26 years old. Both of those guys at their current contracts have two years left before they have to get paid again. And both are probably going to be asking for more. And as I mentioned, you also have Devon Taves as well. And Bowen and Byram, who we mentioned, uh, at the same time, McKinnon, or not McKinnon, not Rantanen, and Jorgia become free agents. He's an RFA. So again, not only are you looking two years down the road and most of this roster is two years older, but you're also going to have to open up the bank vault again to keep some of those guys around. So for cap reasons as well, uh, time is money for the ads.
1: Yeah, yeah, that, that is a good point too. Um,
0: all right, yeah, I guess I guess fair enough. Um, Getting to the point about Michelli, though, 49 right. points in 64 games, not Ross Colton. Um, it, even though he only scored 11 goals, his shooting percentage was 18% because he only took 61 shots. So the fact that you're... Uh, getting uh, a solid shooting percentage out of a guy that doesn't really shoot the puck. Imagine if he shoots the puck more, what he could do. Uh, average 1541 um, in his... I don't know if this... I, it was his rookie season. I think he just missed the mark, uh, even though he played in 23 games a year prior. Um, he's technically past his rookie season. Uh, didn't average two minutes of power play ice time, although he... Did come close this year and he still got a goal and 12 assists with the extra man on a bad arizona coyotes team that leaned heavily on its young stars and he got a three-year deal at not even four million per season i think it was under 3.5 as well um so it's it's interesting how a guy like ross colton while he has established himself as a playoff performer uh, it's interesting how he gets that contract in a lesser role than a youngster like michelli who is coming off an incredible rookie campaign and is probably going to play a more prominent role on an Arizona team that, you yep. know, needs a guy like Mattias Michelli to sell tickets.
1: Well, I mean, I don't know if Mattias Michelli is your best player, then you have more troubles. He's
0: 22 years old and he has a season like that? I mean, that's a good start. Oh, yeah, yeah, no,
1: of course. Yeah, he's, he's a promising one. Keller
0: and Nick Schmaltz, here they have.
1: Well, they eventually will have Logan Cooley. Um, but yeah, and Jack McBain <laughs> I um, mean, today in yeah.
0: their lineup today fair, fair, fair. Do they have it's fair. Nick Schmaltz, Lawson Kraus. They did Kobe get Miller. they get
1: they did get Jason Zucker, um, and yeah. they, they do have Jack McBean, um, who kind of picked it up in the second half. Um, yep. So so they do have some players, and and they do have they brought in um, Sean Derzy uh this this offseason as well so uh yeah they, they might i just mean some.
0: in terms of pure star power that are right. primary power play unit guys yeah uh, michelli's right up there for me on this team and he's not even getting paid four million per year for yeah. the next three years like that's a good bargain value that might be depending on how his performance goes that might be the biggest bargain of this entire offseason
1: yeah potentially um we'll see um Okay, so um, so now we're doing these uh, the tier list that we've been I guess we've been hyping up for for a while now. Uh, yeah. This just as a reminder for people uh, because this uh, basically was sparked when uh, Maddie Kachuk um, single handedly beat the Bruins in the playoffs, uh, the best regular season team um, this year. And that got me to thinking of, like, well, okay, we all know that McDavid is the best in the league currently, um, but where does Matty Kachuk rank? And I would, I was going to argue that I would have him with, like, the Matthews, the Dreisaitls, the McKinnons, and all that stuff. Uh, so what we decided to do, and this was something where we were thinking, like, we should do when there was nothing else to talk about, which is right now, Um That uh, we should rank our top twenty or twenty-five guys. I managed. I I couldn't. I couldn't narrow it down to twenty guys. I I put twenty-five. I think Steve put twenty, which is fine. Mm -hmm. I I don't. He he could add more if he wanted to, but. um, I
0: I ended it at twenty.
1: Okay, Um, but we the the common the consistency is tier like five tiers. Um, and we could also make up our own criteria, basically, as well. Um, and, um, and we're just ranking the, the best guys, uh, and like just tiering them right now in the current moment. Um, I have a different criteria than Steve does. I, I was spoiled a little bit, but I tried not to, like Steve kind of sent his list on Thursday, and I only, like, I, I tried not to look at it because I didn't want that to influence me. But yeah, it, it wasn't
0: also a completed list, so yeah, the, fair. You, you just got sneaky.
1: Fair, fair, fair. Um, but because uh, I was mostly trying to figure out, like, should we do it like based off of like how like how they did this past season, or should we do it like from like a legacy ranking point? And even though Steve did unintentionally spoil it and I I didn't actually read the whole thing and like Steve was saying that wasn't the completed list because he updated it a bit I decided to go because I figured I knew what Steve was going to go with and I was thinking like all right I'm gonna go with something a little bit different then because I was thinking of if the NHL ended today um and like I'm like you know and like. 20 years from now, or 30 years from now, I'm uh, sitting my uh, grandchild on my lap, and I have to explain to them what the NHL was like in uh, this decade or this century. Um, Who would be the 25 guys that I would want to talk about, and who would I talk about first? And I also kind of like, um, I also tried to think of it like, who would make it into the Hall of Fame if all things were considered right now. Um, like, who would be the first to go in, who would be the second to go in, um, and all that stuff. So it's like, I was just trying to think of it from a purely, like, a legacy standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I'll just get on with it and, and go with my tier list. I think Steve knows where I'm going with this because I, I also kind of spoiled it for him because McDavid is not in tier one for me um, on this list. Tier one is like living legends, players who are currently playing and still very, very good. Um, They're first ballot hall of famers. They revolutionized the game. Uh, They're making it in regardless. Um, And that is, uh, and they're still very, very good. Um, So, tier one is Crosby, Ovechkin, and Patrice Bergeron. so, yeah,
0: to get the silky guy in there,
1: huh? Yeah, yeah, okay. I, I didn't re- like, I thought you I'm were not gonna,
0: gonna debate it, but yeah. it, it, it's it's fitting,
1: yeah. And so, the well, first off, I, I feel like um, this is kind of like a, it's kind of crazy. I don't know if people realize that Sidney Crosby had 93 points in 82 games, and the Penguins missed the playoffs somehow. Um, and it's like he's still like, like, he's so good that he's kind he of under Lady eighty-two yeah.
0: games slate as well yeah, which right. like, when you consider a, in the early stages of his career um that's yeah. like a rarity
1: and yes he is a little bit past his prime but if this is like not past his prime 92 points in 82 games that's incredible and it's it's just like i feel like we're not talking about Sidney Crosby enough i know like he just won 3 cups already he had that golden goal in the canada he, um, you know, he's he's been great pretty much every single step of the way. Every, like every point of his career, he's been incredible. He was hyped up like like now that McDavid was like he was pre-McDavid obviously, and he was pre connor Bedard, but he was the first one really to do that. Um, Ovechkin, of course, we've we've talked about him as well in terms of how good he has been. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he had 75 points in 73 games, 42 goals. Um, he's probably the, the best goal scorer I think we're, we're ever going to see. Um, and I think for for both Crosby and Ovechkin in particular, um, we kind of, like, you know, glance off from the fact that, like, that lost season in 2003-2004 season when the NHL was locked out um, – Crosby was the first overall pick in 2004, uh, no, 2005, um, and then uh, Ovechkin was the first overall pick the, the previous year, and they were both pretty, you know, um, hyped-up prospects before, but, like, it was added on to the fact that it's, like, that we didn't have a season, and Gary Bettman need, needed both Crosby and Ovechkin to be phenomenal and live up to that hype, Cause otherwise, I, I feel like the NHL wouldn't even be relevant anymore um, if Crosby and Ovechkin didn't live up to that hype, and um and that's like what the NHL started to do is they just marketed those two guys. I just remember like watching Penguins games and Capitals games, just watching those two players like all the time and just seeing them create. And it's just crazy to me that like thinking like, oh, they're they're still killing it, they're still very, very good, even though that's like 20 years later, um, it's oh, incredible. Ovechkin
0: even had more rookie points than Crosby did, I yeah. forget
1: that. Yeah, I, I, I was always a Crosby guy um, between the Ovechkin and Crosby stuff, but, you know, over time you're just like, alright, I'm just in marvel of both of them, um, and Bergeron, I, I feel like I, like, yes, I am a Bruins fan, I, I do, I have watched every single game that Bergeron has played. Um, but I think the thing, that, and and yes, he, he won't, he doesn't score as many goals as Ovechkin does. He's not like as good of a playmaker as Crosby is. But the reason why I put him on this list here, and also like he might retire tomorrow, and and I I'll just take him off of this list. Um, but the fact that like the fact that like there's also the he does every single thing else that. Um, like, yes, he can score if he wanted to. He can pass and make assists, like, if he wanted to. But he also... But he's
0: also a big game, big moment player. That game on. 7 2013 against Toronto, yeah. I think he he tied the game and I think he won the game. Yeah.
1: It, 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 well, I know he won the game, but I think he tied the game as well. But, but like, he, he has, like, an 81% a face-off percentage, basically, I think, career-wise. Mm-hmm. Something like that. I feel like I might be just making if it that, up. That but can't be right, but I, I'm <laughs> sure it's like a high fifty. I say I should look this up because it's it probably is incredible. But it, you're you're right. It's I, I should probably get that statistic right. Um, uh, hold on, I'll, I'll look it up for you real all quick. All right, um, but yeah, I'll I'll gush more about Patrice Bergeron, which is which is fine. Um, but yeah, yeah, fifty-eight point nine is his career. Good God. And, like, you know, he also, like, he cross-checks as well. He's basically, like, a third defenseman on the ice every time you're on there. Um, and, you know, he cross-checks. He's on the, the penalty kill all the time. You're never, like, and, and honestly, that's kind of what hockey's all about is, like, yes, you, scoring goals is the name of the game and all that stuff. And, uh, like, you know, I wouldn't blame you if you wanted Ovechkin, Crosby, or even McDavid instead of Bergeron. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, Bergeron is a much better defender than all three of those guys, and he can get you 60 points. Um, And sure, that's not, like, a point-per-game player or anything like that, but the fact that he can do pretty much everything um, makes him, like, that much of a special player. And the Bruins... Would not like they're the most successful. I think I saw the statistic that the Bruins had the most wins since 2000 out of any franchise um, in the NHL. And I think, like, if the Bruins didn't have Patrice Bergeron, uh, yeah, the, the, they would not be as successful. Like, sure, you could have credited it to like Zedane Ochara, you could credit it to Tim Thomas back in the day, Ulmark, Pasternak, Marchand, Krejci, all that. I could go on and on, obviously, but. The fact that like Bergeron has been a mainstay in Boston for twenty years, he's still very, very good. The fact that he won the Selkie Trophy and he might retire this year is like okay, he's just going out there on top. The fact that like um, like they're, like he's he's won the Selkie Trophy so many times that he's so good at that skill that media members who vote for this award are bored of b- voting for Patrice Bergeron. Like uh, there was a uh, Mark Lazarus said that like yeah he left Bergeron off of the list because he uh, he felt like he wanted to give shine to Alex Barkov one year and all the other guys who are who are good and that's like that just speaks to how good Bet- Patrice Bergeron is. Is that like the voters were so bored of voting for Bergeron every single year that they they had to like. Find other reasons to not give him the award and they're how, gonna how about yeah. this
0: for a stat as well. Yeah. Six times in his career yeah. he was above sixty percent in the faceoff dot. Wow. Three of those seasons have been the past three years in a row. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. So in his late thirties, yeah. three straight years sixty percent or better from the dot right, over right. an entire season. It's crazy. Like that's crazy.
1: Yep. Um, so, so that's, that's why I have him on tier one. Um, okay, tier two. Um, this is like, like, I, I can get arguments by, I I only have McDavid on this tier. Um, and that's because it's just like, it's not necessarily because he's bad. Um, or that like, he's like, you know, right now he's the best player in the league, like, bar none, I can't even make an argument. Um, however, I think there is something to the fact that he hasn't won the Stanley Cup yet, or hasn't even made it to the Stanley Cup Finals yet, that I feel like he's not at that Crosby, Ovechkin, Bergeron level. Um, and yes, Ovechkin's has won one, Bergeron has won one, and Crosby has won three. But, like, and, and you know, like, it, it's, like, hard to, like... and all three of those guys are like 10 years older than McDavid. So I assume eventually McDavid will make it onto this tier one list that I have. But, um, eventually, but like at the very moment, I, I just can't put him up on tier one. Um, so I called this tier tier two, not good enough to be in tier one just yet, but not bad enough to be in tier three. Uh, cause I felt we, like as I go on, It feels weird to include him with everyone else, Um, yeah. But I, I also just couldn't put him in Crosby, Ovechkin, Bergeron territory just yet, Uh, because he is already a legend. It's just like I feel like there is that extra element of like doing really, really well in the playoffs, Um, even if it's just one time, like Ovechkin. It's like that's fine, but I just need like because I feel like that's when there's so much pressure, there's so much. Things that it's like a different animal to the regular season, so that's where I'm like, all right. Uh, until McDavid can be in this, like, win the Stanley Cup, or even just be in the Stanley Cup Finals, I, I think I I just I just can't get him there until until he has some playoff success. Um, and yes, you can make an argument that like there are guys who. Um, who like you know like play like hockey is a team sport and you know you can't blame McDavid for the Oilers' mismanagement of of their roster and all that stuff. But at the same time, it's like the reason why we think Mc, uh, Tom Brady is the greatest ever is because he's won seven Super Bowls. Um, and the reason why we think Michael Jordan's the best is because he's won six championships. The reason why we're even considering LeBron to be better than Michael Jordan is because he's won like four championships and uh he's been in countless of other finals um some of them were single-handedly in in the finals so um so like the like winning championships and being in the finals matter um and he's not at that level yet of course but um he should he will eventually be i I imagine he'll eventually win the cup um but if, if mcdavid's listening to us um I, I don't hate you, McDavid. Obviously, it's just you know more motivation for you. You have to win the you have to win the cup in order, in my eyes, to be considered with Crosby, Ovechkin, you know, and Bergeron. All right, uh, tier three. I'll I'll make the rest of these a little bit quicker. Um, tier three, our first ballot Hall of Famers, no doubt about it. Um, Patrick Kane, Kuh, uh, Nikita Kucherov, Stamkos, Marshawn McKinnon. McCarr, Malkin, Eichel, and Eric Carlson. Um, like, I guess you could make a case that Patrick Kane might be lower, but I think just because of his, like, off-season transgressions, especially with, um, there's that, like, gray area with the sexual assault case that he had, the fact that he punched a taxi driver, of course, his, we don't know his involvement with the Kyle Beach situation. He would be in Tier 1 if it weren't for that stuff, but Patrick Kane is... Like on ice stuff, there's no doubt that he's the best American hockey player we've ever seen. Um, and he had a, like, yeah, he got injured towards the end of his um, um, season this past year, but he, um, he also wasn't, um, uh, like he also had like 57 points in 71 games, so that's still not bad. Um, so that's why I put Patrick Kane there. Kucherov, Stamkos, Marshawn, I think those are all... And McKinnon and Makar um, are all self-explanatory here. Um, Malkin, I put in... I, I was looking at this up. I almost didn't even include Malkin until I saw that he had 83 points in 82 games this past year. It's like it's crazy that the Penguins didn't make the playoffs when you have, like, yeah, Crosby and Malkin.
0: Crosby and Malkin have an 82-gamer, yeah. which is rare in itself. Yeah,
1: it's just know. crazy, yeah. And the, and the fact that he also has three Stanley Cups like Crosby does so I have to put him in there. Um and then I put Jack Eichel just purely cuz like yeah, he he has over a point per game um in his um in his um in his career and he also just won the Stanley Cup so that that moves him up a tier. Um and then I yeah, added
0: So if he hadn't won a cup it he wouldn't be in this. tier?
1: Exactly. However, what what is funny is I do have Eric Carlson, who's the only one in this tier who hasn't won a cup yet. But the the only reason, uh, like, the reason why I included him is first, he had an incredible season last year, 101 points in 82 games. We're never going to see that again from a defenseman, um, even from him, I guess, um, And anything's possible. He's been in the league forever. He's always good when healthy. Um, and, yeah, he hasn't made it. You know, he hasn't won a Stanley Cup yet, uh, but I do think that he has made enough of an impact in the sport to move him up to Tier 3. Um, so, like, you know, like, Hendrick Lundqvist, for instance, we have him, um, you know, he was a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he never won the Cup. Yes, he did get, this, get to the Stanley Cup Finals that one year. Um, but, yeah, I, I just had to put Eric Carlson in here because, like, when I get to tier four, I'm like, yeah, I would rather have Eric Carlson than any of the other guys on tier four. So then I was like, at that point, I just have to move him up a tier because I'm like, all right, he, he's um, he's in the tier three, but that's that's yeah, the only. How many I am. Of
0: today's young stars that we're talking
1: about right yeah. now watched Eric Carlson? Right. And just like, wow, I want to play like him. Right, 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 right. So, so that's that. That was. Like, I, I like, especially since I moved McDavid down a tier simply because he hasn't won a cup yet, I feel like it is a little bit of a... I'm a, a bit of a hypocrite for including Eric Carlson in Tier 3. But at the same time, I'm just like, I, I, I just couldn't justify putting him in Tier 4 here.
0: Yeah, like, like yeah. when he is perfectly healthy on his game, yeah. find me a defenseman that does yeah. what he
1: does. He's like, um, he's basically Bobby Orr in, reincarnated. Um, and I've mentioned this before, too, that, like, I love, um, there's only been two skaters that I think have single-handedly eliminated the Bruins. Um, like, yes, like Carey Price and Martin... Predor uh, and uh, Brayden Holtby had in the past, but um, in other series in the, against the Bruins, but um, obviously this is purely subjective here, but Matthew Kachuk and Eric Carlson are the only two skaters who I think like if they weren't on the, those teams... I think the Bruins would get into this into the next round, um, and uh, so that's why I put him up here on tier three. Where I'm like, all right, yeah. And they Eric, also
0: play well. Yeah. I don't think Matt Kachuk was like uh, had those injury issues that he was True. dealing with then. Yeah. But, uh, Eric Carlson definitely did. Oh yeah, yeah. And Aaron, right. Aaron Ekblad, who's probably not on your tier, he also you know yeah uh, played through injury and played yeah. a huge part in that.
1: Right, 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 right. So, um, so yeah, that, that's why I have that um, distinction there as well. Um, all right, so tier four. Um, this is, uh, this group is, uh, will make the haul eventually, but they might not be first ballot right away. However, they've been consistently good for a long while, they just need that cup. And or if you're Eric Carlson, like the Eric Carlson exception. Uh, they just need multiple dominating years, basically. So um, so this would be Dreisaitl, Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, Pasternak, Barkov, Panarin, and Matthew Kachuk, who just made the list. Um, yeah, I, I think this is like a simple thing, basically. I, I was thinking I could include Aho in this list, Sabinejad, Nylander, Hellebuck, Vasilevsky in this. Oh, I guess Vasilevsky would be a first ballot Hall of Famer um, Brady Kachuk even, um, Quinn Hughes, Latang, Kopitar, um, I did have Quick as well, but I feel like the last three I just mentioned, they, they do have the Cups, I mean, they will, it wouldn't shock me if they make the Hall of Fame eventually, but, uh, but just because they haven't, they haven't been good this past, the past couple of years, I'm like, all right, maybe not, um, But yeah, I I feel like it's Dry Seidel, Matthews, Marner, Pasternak, Barkov, and Panarin, and Matthew Kachuk now. Um, All right, Tier 5 is just need a few more consistent years here. Um, And it's like like there's no doubt that they will, but I I feel like there is a level between Tier 4 and Tier 5 where it's like they just started being like superstars. Um, and I, I can eventually move them up until they do that, um, and that is uh, J Rob, uh, J Hughes, uh, Nico Heischer, Elias Peterson, and uh, Kirill Kaprizov. Um, you, I, I could make a case for Peterson and Kaprizov to go up because they've been doing it for a, a long while now. But um, but I, I felt like I should um, like they should separate it a little bit on. Um, on for tier five where i'm like they're not quite there yet they are obviously very very good but i i just i just couldn't justify putting them up on tier four and then uh tage thompson was the other guy that i was considering in this part of the section but um yeah there was a while i was doing this i was like that's like i'm like looking at the points list here and i'm like oh i forgot miko Rantanen. in i forgot ryan Nugent hopkins i forgot braden point um Tim Stutzla is another one. I'm just like, oh, okay. There's a lot who I miss, but um, I forgot
0: JT Miller. As JT well. Miller
1: is another one. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot that I've missed. Or like even like Clayton Keller, who Loki had 86 points in 82 yep. games. Um, but um, Kyle Connor is another one. But um, but I figured like, I, all right, I, I just had like just missed the cut of Aho Zabinajad, Nylander. Hellebuck, Vasilevsky, I I, I did have him at tier three, but then I realized, like, I should probably include, um, who did I include instead? Oh, I should probably include, um, I think I included someone else. Um, I don't know. I I, I just left it where it's like, okay, well, I, I left Hellebuck out. I probably should leave Vasilevsky out, but Vasilevsky, if I had to include a goalie in here, I would put Vasilevsky in tier three. Um... And then uh, Brady Kachuk and Quinn Hughes. Yeah, they have a few more years where they, or like, if they win the cup, then yes, I will probably put them in tier two, and that's where I, that's where my values lie here. Um, yeah, so that's
0: my list. Yeah, I I think that's a that's a very very good list that takes into account a player's resume to date, um, and definitely showcases. I think. Overall, as as how the fan base views talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, you know, we're going to put Crosby and Obechkin at the top of the list, and guys like Patrick Kane near the top of the list because they've been around, yep. they've won a lot, yeah, and they definitely have the track record. Um, and they have the of advantage of that too. Yeah to to reflect that. Yeah. So, um, I, I I think from a historical standpoint, that's probably the path that i think a lot of people would have traveled because obviously while you look at Connor mcdavid as you know the number one player everyone watches highlight packs of yeah uh, you can't deny the greatness of the ones that came before him and crosby and ovechkin like their stories are going to be told for decades like yeah. we're talking like larry bird magic johnson yeah. of the nba michael jordan where you just hear stories about them constantly years after Right, and I think in a decade we're we're going to you know be hearing them talked about in that in that same light because they not only have the work ethic to be those stars, but you know you think of Alex Ovechkin also in those early years, um, he was kind of like a social media machine before social media was kind of like all the rage. Yeah, there's this in that NHL All Star Game commercial. Where he orders a bunch of like pizzas and chicken wings and just oh, yeah. puts it on Crosby's tab.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah I remember that. Um, I think a vibe the Russian spy delving, one. Yeah.
0: Uh, as well, and yeah. just absolute vibe. Yep. Yeah. Uh, young Ovechkin was uh, like definitely like, I wouldn't say he was a party animal, but he was definitely like free spirit and just out there having fun. Yeah. And didn't really care what anyone said. Yeah. He just went out there and he had fun.
1: You know, so it's, it's interesting because um, uh, a, a couple of weekends ago, uh, it was Tyson Barry's wedding. Um, mm-hmm. And Twitter was making a big deal about it because like, cause Barry played for the Avalanche and the Oilers. And I guess he also trains with Crosby and McKinnon. Um, in the mm-hmm. off season, so that meant that McKinnon, Crosby, and McDavid were all at the wedding at the same time, and plus a couple well, there of other. beliefs? was the
0: question because we could yeah. have had a Matthews side.
1: Yeah, yeah, good point too. I, I don't know if Matthews was there, but that is a good point. Um, yeah, they were only teammates for
0: a brief period. Yeah,
1: so, so so maybe not. But it I I do want just by making this list and because there were photos of like Crosby, McKinnon, and McDavid in the same photo. It just well. First off, I want to be at that wedding, but secondly, um, it does make me wonder if like Crosby, Ovechkin, like what do they think of McDavid? Because McDavid is pulling up numbers that are even greater than Crosby and Ovechkin are. Like I'm sure, like you know, if if we did ask uh, either one of them, they probably would say it's like yeah, it's great that McDavid is doing so well. It's great for the game, but I feel like. Like their inner competitiveness inside, or it's like, well, I'm better than McDavid, you know. So it's just like I, I feel like there there's there's got to be some interest there where it's like, yeah, Crosby and McKinnon and Ovechkin are still very very good, but like McDavid is like blowing them out of the water in, in his prime compared to like what Crosby and Ovechkin were doing. But yeah, it's just uh, just an interesting standpoint there. Uh,
0: there was, yep. a, there was a, also this i can't remember from what time to what time but it was, yeah. it was crosby was having those concussion issues in early 2011 right. to sometime in 2013 but there was an 82 game stretch and i think in that 82 game stretch he told 140 points yeah so if crosby hadn't missed all that time due to those concussions and other various injuries we could have seen Mc, uh, not crosby reach those mcdavid type of numbers but certainly push hard to maybe reach that plateau but mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately we were robbed of that opportunity as hockey fans and he was robbed as a player of showing what he could really do in those early years
1: yeah yeah for sure all right so what is uh your your list here
0: so my list is a lot more recency bias but i do um, make an effort uh to shout out godfathers the guys who inspired this wave of stars okay. that we um, are lucky to be watching today um, so tier one is the best of the best oh, there's only one number one he's one of one and in a lot of tier lists that I see on YouTube the consensus is tier one is S tier there's only one spot, it only goes to one person, one particular event. And Connor McDavid is one of those players, I think maybe the only player, where if he picks up the puck at his own red line, the defenders start to panic instantly. Cause he can go from zero to 100 with that foot speed and he starts picking up speed, you're just like, oh crap, here he comes, I don't know what to do, and then the next thing you know, within a split second, he's already passed you, and then just deking the goalie out of his jock strap. Like, that goal against the Rangers still sticks out in my mind, oh, yeah. where he just casually picks up the puck at the Rangers' blue line, mid-change, and he just carves up four defenders, makes Georgiev look silly, and... Uh, Ties the game in a wild crazy game the Oilers are able to come back and win and that play in particular Changes the whole game. It turns the whole game around in Edmonton's favor Mm. like there aren't too many players out there that can make a play like that But there's only one player that can make it look so effortless and so easy He he does it like he's been there before he's done that before but when you see his reaction after that play, even he can't believe he just did that. And I think that just, in in a nutshell, resembles just how great this guy is. You can look at the numbers and just be absolutely floored by what you see. But just watching this guy play, I don't care if he hasn't appeared in a cup finals game. It doesn't matter to me. Like Connor McDavid is the best player in yep. the game today, period, end of story. Sorry, Sid. You have the hardware to back up your resume. All the power to you, but Connor McDavid is revolutionizing the game of hockey as we see it today. Yep. And so, for that reason, he is tier one, and he is my only person on tier one.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh just so just on that note, I, with,
0: I just want to get your point. Am I offside by saying that?
1: No, no, no. You're you're totally. I mean, we disagree, but I totally get your point, and I like that. You did remind me when you were talking about that goal against the Rangers where he basically, like, tricks five skaters, and then he tricks the goalie and scores against the goalie against the Rangers. Um, well, I watched that live, um, and I, like, I, I didn't feel that same way until, like, like, there's only been, like, three times where I felt that way um, watching a game where I was like, oh, God, this guy's incredible. Um, is there was one where Crosby did this, like, spinorama move and passed it to, like, I think it was, like, Sergei Gonchar, his rookie year. And I was like, oh, God, Crosby's amazing. There's one, with, and then there's one with Ovechkin, his rookie year, with the falling down on the ice and then somehow scoring the goal. I think it was against the Coyotes. I was like, okay, this guy yeah, is also really good. I,
0: I saw, I remember yeah. that. and He still hasn't scored a goal that yeah. tops that. Like, and then incredible.
1: And then uh, McDavid, yeah, and, and that was like McDavid's moment, where it's like, okay, McDavid is the real deal. The fact that he was able to like dig out every single person, but yes, you're you're totally in the right. And I, I did mention that, like, yeah, I, I felt like uh, like he's done everything else to me, but I do think that there, is, like, the, the whole point of of hockey and the whole point of the NHL is to win Stanley Cups. <laughs> So that that's the only thing that in my mind where I feel like, alright, I feel like McDavid has to do it. But yeah, you're you're totally entitled to that opinion. He is phenomenal and you have a different set of criteria where you're basing him more on what what's going on lately instead of uh what what's going on with a player's career trajectory.
0: I mean, I get that point point hundred percent. But the other Counterpoint that I have to that is Henrik Lundqvist didn't win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and there are a lot of great players that didn't win a Stanley Cup. And I guess you could make the argument: well, he should have at least gotten to the Cup Finals, and then I could see it. Hundred percent, totally agree. Yeah. And Connor McDavid, unlike Sidney Crosby, hasn't really had a chance in a best-on-best scenario like the Olympics to really prove himself because uh, the last time the NHL went to the Olympics was 2014 before McDavid was drafted. Um, so in, in, in that sense, yeah, uh, I, Connor McDavid's kind of been, you know, uh, I, I guess handicapped by that.
1: Right. Um, but I,
0: I, 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 I don't think it's fair to be, I, I don't put as much weight on championships for a tier list that reflects an individual player. Well, I feel like team performance is important, but it's not the only thing that I factored in when.
1: Yeah, I guess I, I guess I was thinking it from, like, the clutch standpoint, because I think that is yeah. important, too. Like, when there's more pressure on you, like, do you secede? Um, for the Lundquist case, yes, you're, you're right that, like, yeah, Lundquist never won the Stanley Cup or anything. But I would still put him in, you know, I would, if I were voting on the Hall of Fame, yes, I would have him in, in the first ballot Hall of Famer list. Um, because he did he did make it to the Stanley Cup Finals and he almost single-handedly won the Rangers the Cup in uh, 2012 um so so it, like like yeah McDavid could make it but McDavid hasn't even been to the Stanley Cup Finals um so so that's where I'm thinking like yeah he like I, I do believe that McDavid will eventually win the cup I like there's it's not, I'm not knocking his play or anything like that it's just more like there is something to like playing under pressure because that's the most pressure that you have and yeah until he does that um then yeah i i have to put him a tier below
0: the other, the other thing that probably goes against McDavid is, like, performance in, in, in big situations in terms of Game 7s. Right. Um, the first Game 7 he ever played in, the Oilers lost 2-1 to one to Anaheim. That was the second round of the 2017 playoffs. Um, and there, of course, were other playoff disappointments, like the play-in series against Chicago, where they didn't even take right. it the distance. They lost 3-1 yep. uh, to one in a best-of-five. Yeah. Um. There was a series against the Jets where they got swept somehow. Um. There was a series against the Avalanche right. uh, a few years later in which uh, they got swept. Yeah. Um. In the conference finals there, and there was also uh, this year where they lost in six games to Vegas, and at points in the LA series it looked like uh, they were outmatched as well, but. Remember when McDavid and Dreisaitl absolutely turned it on? The Oilers are a different team. Yep. And when they went to the conference finals in 2022, um, I uh, I don't think McDavid won the scoring title, but it looked pretty evident heading into the finals. There was a chance that despite getting swept in the conference finals, McDavid still had a chance to win the scoring title. Yeah. Like he was head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of oh, yeah, yeah. points scoring in that year of playoffs. Yeah,
1: I mean, there's no question in my mind that he's the best player right now. Um, obviously, I, <laughs> like I, I feel like that has to be said again in terms of pure talent. Yeah, know? but like I like I think of it like like this because it took forever for Alex Ovechkin to win the cup. Um, yeah. As well, same for McKinnon. Um, and, like, yeah, I would, I would, if, if, like, we were doing this in, like, 2017, just before Ovechkin won the, won the cup, or before McKinnon won the cup, uh, last year, like, yeah, I probably would put, uh, Ovechkin in that tier two, because at that point he was, you know, we knew that he was special, just hadn't won the cup yet, um, and McKinnon, like, yeah, I probably would put him in tier four, um, probably, yeah, so, um, so yeah, I, I like, you know, it, like some some players it takes a long time to, to win the cup. And yeah, you're right that like winning the cup is more of a team thing than an individual thing. But I think there is an element of like, you know, you have to be transcendent about the sport. Like the Penguins wouldn't have won those three Stanley Cups without Sidney Crosby. The Capitals wouldn't have won the the Stanley Cup without Alex Ovechkin. And eventually I do believe that the Oilers will win a cup with McDavid. But, like, that hasn't happened yet. So, um, so yeah, it, for, the, for that reason, that's why I put him in Tier 2. I also, fear, I also feel that
0: there's kind of like unfair expectations on McDavid in yep. the sense of, oh, Gretzky won this first Stanley Cup when he was 23 years old, yep. but also keep in mind he had a playoff performer like Glenn Anderson on his team, he had a goaltender yep. in Grand Fear where if he, and, needed, if he gave up four goals, he wouldn't get a fifth and yep. he would make that enough and there was also like guys like Mark Messier and Eskatekinen Eska yep. shut down defensemen and Kevin Lowe and, and a bunch of other big names, Steve Smith as well. The Oilers were able to assemble a better hockey team around Wayne Gretzky. And mind you, of course, there was no cap and the yeah. salaries weren't you know, as huge. And but it adds to my point that like the Oilers had a better all-around team well, around Gretzky than McDavid has now in Edmonton.
1: Yeah, that's for, true. For that's fair. But... I I think, like, well, also, like, Gretzky was playing against worser opponents than McDavid is.
0: Yeah, and the style so. of hockey was different, yep. and it was easier to score goals. And, I like,
1: goalies 100%. weren't as good as they are now, so, yeah, that, that's <laughs> the other part, too, but, yeah.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Uh, speaking of goalies, uh, heading into Tier 2. Yep. Um, throughout the course of my list, I have two goalies, so I did include goalies in mine because... That's fair. Um, while I've only reserved those for, like, the best of their craft, there are goaltenders in this league that can turn things around for their team with one big performance. And I guess that's in general, but especially it applies to these two names in particular. One of them I'm going to talk about very shortly. But first, I want to talk about Nathan McKinnon, who we talked about recently, won the Stanley Cup. Uh, since the... Uh, since the departure of Patrick Wan, the introduction of Jared Bednar as, as coach, uh, Nathan McKinnon has gone from a 60-70 point score, 30-40 to 40 goal guy, to an absolute titan and the undisputed creator of offense for the Abs. Uh, uh, from a forward standpoint. Obviously, they have Kale McCarr, but Nathan McKinnon has die, that dynamic playmaking ability that very few players in this league have. He's a superstar, and in Tier Two, I have not number one, but pretty damn close. Um, Nathan McKinnon, in my opinion, leads that list. Uh, if you, if you if you look at um, if if you look at his hockey resume, uh, this season alone, he was fifth in scoring with 111 points, and he played in 71 games. So he didn't even play the full 82 games; he, he missed a handful. But uh, his first breakout season was 2017-18. He had 97 and 74. Then he had 99 and 82, 93 and 69 before COVID ruined everything. Then he had 65 and 48, which in a normal season is probably 100 plus points. Then he had 88 and 65, and again this year he had 111, his first season where he surpassed, hit and surpassed the 100 point barrier. And throughout uh, this whole time, he's just done it all for the Habs. And I remember, um, I think it was their exit in the 2021 playoffs where they had a series lead against Vegas and they blew it. But And I remember him saying at the end of the series finale, he's like, who cares about my stats? I haven't won jack. Yeah. And I think when you look at today's stars, you look at Nathan McKinnon and you see that competitive fire in him every single time he's hit, he hits the ice. He wants to make a difference, but he wants to win just as bad as the NHL greats. And I think if you want to be in that echelon of like ultra elite players, you need to have that fire inside of you. And Nathan McKinnon has that fire. Speaking of guys that have that fire, a goaltender named Andre Vasilevsky. First round pick in 2012. Quickly, um, well, I shouldn't say quickly, but gradually ascended the ranks, took over for Ben Bishop in the starters crease for Tampa Bay uh, in 2017. Hasn't looked back since. Has been one of the league's best goalies. And is one of the league's best money goalies. And by money goalies, I mean when the chips are down, you're getting nothing on him. Like, how many times in the 2020 and 2021 playoffs did he close out the series with a shutout? Like, I think it was like five or six straight series in a row, something ridiculous. It's just automatic. When the stage is brighter, this guy performs and delivers for his team. Game six, game seven, doesn't matter when you need a win. He's going to find a way to get it done for you. And I think the reason why that uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning didn't go as far as they probably could have yep. uh, this past year uh, was because Vasilevsky maybe didn't look like himself. And he said this much. Yep. Uh, but when he's had an absolute peak form, it's very tough uh, to get anything uh, anything past him there. Yep. Uh, quickly going to the final two players before... Um, I'll let you chime in. Kale McCarr, the Colorado Avalanche, um, not a forward, but definitely has that oh crap factor whenever he touches the puck. And uh, the things that he can do with the puck is definitely on that Eric Carlson level of, man, I wish I could do half of what Kale McCarr does in a single game. He chews up minutes, power play one time, um, his ability to shoot and pass the puck uh his deceptiveness uh everything about kale mccarr is extraordinary and he is definitely an ultra elite player and then of course you have leon dry who if he was the only star player on his team i think we would be giving him a lot more praise but if you look at the fact that he got 50 plus goals once again on a team with Connor mcdavid And he got over 30 power play goals in a season, something that's only been done a handful of times in NHL history since power play goals have been uh, kept track on the NHL website. Uh, You can start to already appreciate how talented that guy is. And in terms of German hockey, I think... Uh, he could really be the poster boy for Team Germany that maybe yep. starts a wave of, you know, highly talented German players. We've seen it with Tim Stutzler, we've seen it with J.J. Paterka coming up uh, the ranks as well in Buffalo. Lucas Reichel now. And um, I, I think Dreisel is, is a guy that's going to start that trend and continue that trend for years down the road.
1: Yeah, uh, also Lucas Reichel, who's going to be uh, Conor Bedard's running mate as well, so... Uh, actually, yeah, he,
0: he could be another one in that. List. Just, to more cider as well. We, we mentioned on the him in yep. terms of German defensemen as well. Yeah,
1: actually, I just put that together. I guess because uh, if Lucas Reichel is as good as we think he is, he's going to be the like the literal dry to uh, the Connor um, on the yeah. team. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I. So I. I think I, I. did put Vasilevsky originally on the on my tier list. Um, but I think I, I stopped because he didn't have as good of a performance as he usually does in the regular season. Um, so, so that was really just my, the, the only reason why I snubbed him. But, of course, he's an incredible player. He's going to make it to the Hall of Fame. I think I, I did have him in Tier 3, which would be that first ballot Hall of Famer list. Um, until, but I, 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 like, I'm, I'm sure, like even though I left him off, uh, the whole like, I, I'm sure he'll he'll bounce back this year.
0: Even on a down year, he yep. still got 34 wins, which is yep. six in the league, and 9, a nine save fifteen save percentage, save percentage, yeah. which is still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. But like, in like a, terms a two point six five turns yeah. of shots yeah. faced as well. Yeah, he was fifth. So yep. even on a down year, he's still um, near the top of the NHL's ranks. So yeah, that no. just goes to show you how good he is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Of course. Um, but yeah, that that's um. Yeah, no, I, I don't have any more thoughts on McKinnon and Makar and Dreisaitl and Vasilevsky, so, yeah. Okay.
0: All right, so um, Tier 3 is, um, I, I'm going to put as elite. So Tier 2 was, I guess you could say, the ultra-elite of this group. But right. in elite, we have Matty Kachuk, your boy, our boy, although Brady Kachuk is more my boy. <laughs> uh, Connor Hellebuck, uh okay. the second goalie on this list. Adam Fox, Mitch Marner, David Pasternak, Quinn Hughes, and Austin Matthews. Uh, Matthew Kachuk, his playoff performance was a big factor in me putting him on this list. I don't think he's on Dreisaitl's level. I'd like to see him play at that level for another couple of years before I consider it. At the same time, though... Every single year he's gotten better, and this year he proved to be the driving force of his team and kind of willed his team to the Stanley Cup Finals. That definitely moves you up the list. Um, I definitely factored in playoff success when I made this list, as you'll see as I move along. Which is interesting
1: Reed. because you, you you didn't factor that in with McDavid, but... For everyone else on this list, you, you do have Yeah, the I mean
0: there there are exceptions to the rule, which okay. Connor McDavid fair, fair. is. Fine, fine. I'm I'm lenient on that. But uh yeah. Okay. Uh in terms of uh playoff experience, I also kind of contradict myself because <laughs> lately Connor Hallibuck hasn't had much. True. But I mean when you look at Connor Hallibuck, you look at him as the backbone to any hockey club. And you look at all of the headlines about the work ethic behind the scenes, if the Winnipeg Jets had enough talent, enough heart, enough moxie to be a playoff team, Mm -hmm. Connor Hellbuck basically willed him into the playoffs by himself with 37 wins and 64 appearances, uh, almost 2,000 shots faced, 2.49 GAA, 920 save percentage. And he's had several seasons where, if not for him, where in the heck would Winnipeg be? And in 2018, I would say the peak of the modern day Winnipeg Jets, they went to the conference finals, and Connor Hallebuck was a big reason behind that run. So, um, wherever he is playing this year, whether it's Winnipeg, whether it's someone else, Connor Hallebuck is still going to be an elite goaltender and a game changer in whatever market he's in. Uh, Adam Fox is already on Broadway, and uh, he loves it there. And he's proven that he's worthy of all the hype that he is getting. So enough said. I I don't think he's as good as Kale McCarr, but like he's he's definitely Kale McCarr light in the sense that um, he can do things that not too many defensemen in this league can do. He's the cut above of you know the bottom half of the top ten defensemen in terms of his All Star talent, and he's going to be an All Star regular. He's he's elite. Uh, Mitch Marner, if you're a forward that's not a center and you get nominated for the Stelke Trophy, that gets you instant attention. Uh, Especially when you're a guy like Mitch Marner that can also pile up the points and who's proven to be, you know, one of the best contributors on his team for years and years and years. And I think really over the past couple of years in particular. Uh, Mitch Marner has shown that he is all that. And in that first round series against Tampa Bay, not going to talk about the second round series against Florida because a lot of the Leaf stars weren't all that impressive. But he really turned it up in that Tampa series and was the main reason why the Leafs advanced in terms of just pure offense. Uh, David Pasternak of your Boston Bruins, your boy, Brett. um, When you get 60-plus goals uh, as well, uh, that definitely puts you into... Uh, the elite club and also he's been on uh, a couple of heavy playoff runs with the Bruins where he has been their top performer um, one of the most consistent scorers. I would say he's gotten better over the past three to four seasons um, and uh, I think to put him in tier 4 would be an absolute shame I think he's knocking on the doorstep of tier 2 uh, give it a couple more years but for now I would yeah. keep him in tier 3 uh, Quinn Hughes, similar to Adam Fox, um, does a lot of things that most defensemen don't do. At All-star every year and makes a difference on his team. Would like to see a bit more playoff success, but, I mean, uh, the Canucks have to do a lot to help him out there. And then, of course, we have Austin Matthews, who, uh, again, has, like Pasternak, has scored 60-plus goals in a season. I think... Guys like Marner and Tavares have kind of overshadowed how good Matthews is, and that's why I put him in Tier 3 and not Tier 2. Okay.
1: Yeah, I um, I kind of forgot about Adam Fox, and that if I were to do this, I probably would include them in my list. Uh, but yeah, no, that that's a good tier list here um, for sure.
0: Also, the fact that uh, Austin Matthews, similar to Mitch Marner, has only won a single playoff series. Um, I, I, like I said, in some cases, I did factor in playoff performance, yeah. and that's one of
1: them. Yeah, uh, well, it's interesting because, like, I... I,
0: I one series. Sorry, what were you saying? He's, he's been to a couple of Game 7s, but, um, like, how many of them in yeah. those do-or-die Game 7s has he been a legitimate threat? Like, yeah. that, that matters. Well,
1: what what's interesting is is that, like, Matthews had, like, a down year this past year. But, like, he still was yeah. pretty good. And that's only because he had, like, 60 goals last year <laughs> or previously. So, um, like, and, instead he had 40 goals and 45 assists. So, he's still, like, very good. It's just he wasn't as good as he was the, the year previously. So, um, but, yeah. Um, and Quinn Hughes, I, I guess... Yeah, Quinn Hughes is a good choice. I have him just missing the cut, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I guess I, I can see the argument that you put up there. I, I think I would rather have Elias Peterson there instead of Quinn Hughes if you're going to take someone from Vancouver, but, um, but yeah, I, I guess I can't really knock it though either.
0: There, there was a down year, I will say, in in between. Like he had a rough first half last year, which I I think uh, again, like it was it was vice versa. It was uh, you 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 probably view Peterson just a bit ahead of Hughes for me. It's the other way around. Because I think the consistency in terms of production from Quinn Hughes has been a little bit better than Peterson. Although I will say Peterson was hands down Vancouver's best player in terms of point. Like, he he was one of only, like, 11 players played at the 100-point mark this past year. That's not enough.
1: Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm just thinking, like, if you take... So I feel like I, I equate Peterson to like Vancouver. I mean, I guess Vancouver hasn't been successful for uh, uh, the last couple of years, but I feel like like Peterson is the Vancouver Canucks. and like yeah, Quinn Hughes is very good uh, obviously, but I, I just I feel like uh, Peterson was the f- person who made the Canucks into a relevant hockey franchise. Because they were very, very down before they, uh, they drafted yeah, him. Yeah, his
0: rookie season, man, that yeah. that was that was something. Like, we, so, he, he changed the way we looked at yeah, the Canucks.
1: Exactly. So I think that puts more into my memory bank of, like, oh, Peterson, he's the guy who put the Canucks on the map, even though they're now – they're a disaster now. But that's not because of Peterson. It's because of everyone else. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Quentin Hughes, I I almost had there, but I, I think I just was like, all right, there's 25 guys, I have to leave some guys off, and Quinn Hughes was the unfortunate cut there.
0: Yeah, I and uh, it's I, I should probably bite my tongue because of who I have in tier four. Okay. Um, uh, not at the top of tier four, but in the middle stage. As okay. Explain. Uh, so tier four is much is much uh, the, the, the the words is much... uh, Man, I'm having a time. Must watch. Must watch talent uh, is tier four. Um, They're not elite. They're not ultra elite. They're not the best. But we would pay a lot of money to probably watch these guys in person if we had the chance. Uh, Starting with Nikita Kucherov. And I will say injuries over the past couple of seasons have kind of dampened my view on Nikita Kutra, but let's not forget um, just how fun this guy is to watch. Um, that, um, excuse me, five-hole shot, where it's not a shot, he just fakes the shot and just lets the puck do the rest. Mm-hmm. It's such a simple move, but it's so crafty and deceptive and dare I say cheeky, that it's always good for the highlight film. Like, And every time he does it, the goalies are so pissed off.
1: Yep,
0: um, And on top of that, he's a very good assist generator, multi-Stanley Cup champion, uh, and definitely a difference maker um, in, in, in any playoff run that Tampa's had. Uh, you look at uh, the year where Nikita, where Nikita Kutrov comes back just in time after missing all of that time in the regular season, and maybe that helped with his playoff performance, but he didn't miss a beat. When the playoffs started, he was a money player for them. And, um, you know, I, I think when you think of, you know, Tampa Bay's successful years, Nikita Kuchwab, outside of Steam, Steven Stamkos, is the player that comes to mind when you think of those mighty Tampa Bay teams. And he's still got plenty of good hockey left as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have him at the top of Tier 4. Uh, Miko Rantanen um, is very underrated. Uh, this past year he got 50-plus goals. Um, in, in fairness i think in most lists he should be higher but for, for me he's just hovering the start of tier four lower stages of tier three uh hopefully within the next couple of years um, as he gets more opportunities um to really flex those offensive muscles because i feel i feel i feel like with me with miko ranton it's it's a it's it's um he is one of those players like kind of like the forward version of Roman Yossi where he always falls under the radar like we're always talking about Nathan McKinnon and we're always talking about Cale McCarr and how good they are but we don't really talk about Nico Rantanen enough in this league and I, I think yeah. part of that is 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 on guys like me that you know probably should give him a bit more airtime but uh, I I just feel like McKinnon and McCarr get most of the highlight attention, so we kind of gravitate towards them more. But that shouldn't take away from how good Miko Rantanen is, and you definitely uh, need to watch this guy when you when you have some free time. Like just pay attention to his shifts, and, and you'll see how good he is. Uh, we talked about when we were talking about Elias Pearson and how he changed the way we look at the Vancouver Canucks. It was a similar situation with Kirill Kaprizov when he entered the scene mm. in Minnesota. Minnesota was a boring, uh, they were a boring, bland, meh team that wasn't great, also wasn't bad enough to be bad, but they weren't great and they were on the downswing. And probably uh, without Kirill Kaprizov, you're probably looking at a very different Minnesota team, both in terms of talent and in terms of just overall franchise direction. Um, in fact, I would argue that maybe they hit the real. Re, they would have hit the rebu- rebuild button by now if it wasn't for Carill uh, yep. dominating as well as he has. And yeah, this year's playoffs were kind of underwhelming. But you look at the regular seasons that he's played in. Uh, he's definitely going to be in tier three someday. But for now, the catalog isn't that big, so I think tier four is where I put him for now. But I would still pay good money to see this guy play on any given Sunday, any given weekday. Jason <laughs> uh, Robertson of the Dallas Stars, same thing. The catalog isn't big enough, but similar to Kirill Kaprizov, uh definitely impacted his team in such a way that you look at the team differently, and you look at the Calder Trophy race those guys were having, and you look at where they ranked in terms of points scoring this past season. They were shooting the freaking lights out. And we were talking about these guys as, you know, the stars of the future. And the guys, you know, in a, in, a, in a division that has all these superstar talents, the central division is so mighty and so powerful because there's a lot of all-star pop in there. And I think Kir- Kirill Kaprizov versus Jason Robertson is probably gonna be those one-on-one matchups. Uh, that a lot of people are going to be gravitated towards not just in the regular season but hopefully in future playoffs as well uh hopefully we get more uh, matchups and more beyond the first round because i think with the when the stakes are higher the that's where these guys ultimately down the line are going to play their best hockey so that's why i included jason robertson in, in tier four And um, at the tail end of tier four, I know he really hasn't played at the level of a Jason Robertson and Kirill Kaprizov for as long, uh, whether it's injury or lack of team success. But I'm high on Jack Hughes, man. I I think this guy, even though it's like one monster season, there's going to be plenty more of those to come. And he is definitely a must watch talent today.
1: Uh, Did you know that Nikita Kucherov had 113 points? Uh, this this past year, yeah, I did.
0: Um, I forth. also I also remember uh, a couple of times where John Cooper was critical of his all star talent, not just Kutrov, but also Stamkos and Point. Um, I don't think this was Kutrov's best season, but yeah. I'm not going to take away from the points, like the points beat for themselves. He was very good this year.
1: Well, it, it's just, uh, yeah, it's just interesting. Cause and he played a full season too. Cause there was yeah, uh, we'll like, like, too. yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's something too. like, I guess maybe there is the fact that he was injured for the, the last couple of seasons. But, um, but yeah, I, I was like looking at the list and I was like, wait a second, wait, Kucherov had four, like was fourth this year. I was like, that's crazy. Um, on that note, I, I think if I were... On your criteria, I think I would have Kucherov in Tier 2. Um, and maybe you just replace him with Vasilevsky, or, you know, uh, you just replace them uh, with each other. Because I feel like Kucherov has been consistent throughout the careers. He obviously has the Cups like Vasilevsky does, or you could just add Kucherov to Tier 2. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think... I think this is a good list. Um, I will say, though, that like for Jack Hughes, it's like, yeah, he had 99 points this past year in 78 games. But the year before that, he uh, he had 56 points in 49 games. And in his second year, I, I guess, his second year, he had 31 points in 56 games. And so, like, the, the year before that, he was, or you know, in 2021 to 2022, um, he was a little bit, um, like, he got injured halfway through. Uh, but, um, but he was still, like, very good last year, um, so it's not just, like, one good year, he has, he's had two very, very good years, um, it's just that one was cut short by injury, um, so I, I just wanted to yeah. mention that, too. Yeah,
0: I, I mean, the points Brady, too, is definitely a stat that I cite yeah. a lot, but I didn't really put that much weight into Fair these evaluations I mostly just look at how many games they play and how many points yeah. did they score yeah. there's definitely signs that Jack Hughes that this that season wasn't a fluke based on what he did previously but in terms of like proven oh, experience yeah, yeah. he actually played games he actually scored goals he put up points like this was his monster breakout season that we all knew he was capable of and, yeah. he, and he displayed for sure
1: yeah so a lot of these guys I had a yeah. tier 5 Um. so so that's and and that's just because they need a few more consistent
0: years, and that's where I so have funny Peterson you should mention that because I do have a tier five. That was tier four. Yep. yep. Tier five. I have the Godfathers, and there I have three for this list. Um, two of them were on your tier one: Crosby and Ovechkin. Okay. Well, I also put Victor Hedman.
1: Oh yeah, um, yeah. Because
0: yeah. before these players, as I mentioned, um, that were. Blessed to be watching today. Uh, let's not forget how good these three players were, what they accomplished. We've already talked about Crosby and Obechkin and the fact that Crosby was a near 100 point scorer. But for example, just listen again to what Kyle Dubas said in his introductory press conference. He was betting on an aging core instead of knowing, okay, this group has run its course, we're going to have to rebuild. He's trying to reinvent the Pittsburgh Penguins with guys like Crosby and Malkin as the centerpieces. I personally think it's idiotic, but it goes to show you how good Crosby and Malkin are, that you're willing to roll the dice on these guys even as they're uh, in their mid-30s bracing for their for their uh, early 40s. Yeah. And Crosby and Malkin are definitely capable of being all-star talents in this league at this age. Uh, like I said, 93 points and 82 games, or however many it was—I should know—he was on my fantasy team. Um, like it, it, the, the the stuff that this guy can still do isn't being talked about as much because obviously we're so focused on the young stars of today, we were talking, we're talking about McKinnon and McCarr and McDavid and everyone else, uh, more than we are about the veterans, but the veterans back when they were rookies and, you know, in their third or fourth seasons, and they were doing stuff that we hadn't really seen before or in a long time. Um, like the fact that Sidney Crosby is able to do the stuff that he is doing right now, being, you know, the face of his franchise even still, and a and a and a and a, a talent that teams feel they can still win with today yep. isn't lost on me at all. Like it just goes to show you the longevity of this guy's career. Even Victor Hedman, when you look at the season that Mikhail Sergachev had, and people are thinking, "Oh, it's a down year for Victor Hedman." For Victor Hedman's standards, yes, it's a down year, but near fifty points. Yeah, I mean Fair. that's still pretty freaking good and this guy's a multi Norris yeah. trophy winner, multi Stanley Cup winner. Um, I would say out of in, in his generation like in in the 2010s probably uh I I think you can make an argument for top defenseman. If not top defenseman, he's easily top 5. Yeah. Um, and who knows how many good years Victor Hedman's got left. I think similar to Kucherov and all the others, it was a down year for him, but I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of people uh, in the league today that were inspired by Victor Hedman's play and what he brought to the table. And they wanted to, you know, create their own secret recipe for success. But I'm sure a lot of it was based around guys like Victor Hedman and what they did. So the trendsetters of yesterday that inspired the guys of today that are inspiring the future stars, hmm. I want to create a, an exclusive tier to honor them and say, hey, they may not be in their prime right now, but Dan, they're still good. And we can't forget what they did and what they're still doing right now. So... That it it was a different tier from all the other tiers, but I think it was one important for me to include on my list. I I
1: guess that's that's a fair point. I I was it's interesting when I was thinking of the tier three list, which is are the guys that were after Crosby, Ovechkin, Bergeron, and McDavid. Um, (laughs) I was like I was like okay, well I have to if I'm going to not include McDavid for the cup stuff, I have to create a tier for all the guys who have won a cup in the past. And then that would be like, all right. So then that's Kucherov, that's Stamkos, that's Marchand, that's McKinnon, that's Makar, that's Malkin, that's Patrick Kane. And then I was just like, okay. So I can't like, I would have put Vasilevsky and Hedman in there, but then I was just it just got to be so much, and the, and added on to the fact that Hedman had a down year, Vasilevsky had a down year, whereas like Stamkos and Kucherov did have a pretty good year uh, this past year. So it's like. Yeah, I, I also agree with you that fifty points for a down year or almost fifty points for a down year, it's pretty good. But uh, but I, I and and he's he's definitely making the Hall of Fame in real life. Yeah. Uh, first but, yeah um, first ballot, but first ballot, hundred percent, yeah. But uh, I, I I just I just took him out just because he he had a down year. Um, so so that was really my thinking there. But I, I did consider him for a little bit.
0: Now, there is one question um, oh, that oh, yeah. I wanted uh, to throw your way, a little bit of a curveball. Uh, as you, I'm sure, saw earlier in the week, Connor Badar signed his entry level contract on his 18th birthday. Congrats, Connor, yep. and happy belated birthday. Uh, we hope you had a good one. Um, even better when you're set to. Make yep. your first contract each year. It's crazy. He's got three point five million in eligible performance mm. bonuses, which is what? Like, how much of that is for like hitting fifty goals and hundred points, or like right. winning the MVP? That's what I want to know. Yeah. But my question is not about that. It's about this. Connor Bedard's entry-level contract, similar to most, ends in three years. Within the next three years, I think he is the bottom of tier four on my list. So okay. my question to you is, Brett, on your list, no matter how good he is after three years, would you put him on any of the tiers?
1: Um. Okay, well, I mean, a lot of it depends on how good he is in those three years. Um, if, he,
0: if he averages 50 goals and 100 points in every single one of those three years. Oh, yeah,
1: well, I've, I would put him with the McDavid tier then. Um, a hundred so points. Too.
0: That's pretty
1: high, man. A hundred points as an eighteen-year-old, a nineteen-year-old, and a twenty-year-old consecutively. <laughs> like that—that that would be incredible. I don't think he's gonna do that because I—that's like very, very high, um, roles, But yeah, I would say let's say he's like. I mean, I guess it depends if you're talking about like first overall picks. Um, like if he's, like I guess, like the the best case scenario would be McDavid uh, minus the injuries, um, yeah, that first year,
0: yeah, McDavid in his rookie season he had right. a collarbone injury, um, right, I
1: mean. or maybe Matthews because he had the like he had a very very good rookie season, um, and then a consecutively good season the next two years, um, so it's tough because like. I don't, like, because I based it all on, um, if they win a cup, I don't think the Blackhawks are going to win the cup, no matter how good Connor Bedard is, um, but yeah, assuming that he lives up to the expectations, um, I think, yeah, I would put him with Tier 4, which would be the drysettle Matthews, Marner, Pasternak, Barkov, Panarin, Matthew, Kachuk, Tier, um, yeah, but, like, if, if he has 100 points as an 18-year-old and a 19-year-old, yeah, then it's like, okay, this is someone who's even better than McDavid, um, who or has the potential of being better than McDavid. So, yeah, I would put him... I definitely
0: him... <laughs> think he's, worst-case scenario, he's around Nathan McKinnon territory, yeah. and that's still pretty game-good.
1: Well, I think the worst... I don't
0: think he'll be McDavid-level, but I think he'll be... You know, in the young superstars that we're talking about, like, Kirill, of Jason Robertson, Jack Hughes. Okay. Uh, all, all of them. Peterson as well. The worst... Like, he, he's, he's going to be within that ring.
1: The worst-case scenario would actually probably be what Jack Hughes was doing. Um, uh, probably. Because, like, yeah, I mean, that, that is, you know, obviously you would take that. But, um, but I, I think uh, that would probably be the worst-case scenario, where he struggles at the beginning of his career... But then and slowly then figu- tree, he goes yep. off. Okay. and slowly figures it out. I feel like that would be the the worst case scenario. But yeah,
0: I think and that might be the most realistic because yeah. you know just it's Chicago. It's so
1: yeah. They have, yeah, They have a lot of holes. Well, they do have Taylor Hall, Lucas Reichel, who I'm um, they they have now. Um, so they 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 could be decent with uh, Taylor Hall um, and um, I do like Reichel, but yeah, I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs even if. Bedard gets a hundred points. <laughs> be, well, and, that,
0: and that's the thing with with like Jack Hughes. It's like, right. Jack Hughes was very very good this past season. Yep. it wasn't the only one that was good. Right, right. But so like, a if, lot of people were carrying the weight on that.
1: Team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, obviously, people would be disappointed if if uh like Bedard reaches that Jack Hughes level because we've been hyping him up. Like, he is the next McDavid. Like, he's the next Crosby. Um, but um, but yeah, I I feel like. That, that's not a bad for a worst case scenario I think that's not bad <laughs> yeah I agree um okay <laughs> we, it's funny we managed to make this episode an hour 45 <laughs> minute long episode um even though we, we tried not to to talk uh so long but um yeah whatever um anyways you can follow us on Twitter at Up Podcast, or Facebook or I guess it's now non-existent it's lace up. Um, you can also follow us on SoundCloud, iTunes and Spotify. Uh, that's about it. I'm Brett Duboff.
0: I'm Steve Velyser with the Talk Again in episode 375 of the Lace Up podcast.
1: Hopefully something will happen um, in the next week.
0: <laughs> Crossing fingers.
1: Yeah.